everybody. Good to see you guys. Um, you know, hopefully you had a good week of street fair. Kind of let you in on some, you know, unseen pastoral duties that I take really seriously. Uh, we got some great culinary people in this church here. We had a, quite a few people representing a lot of vendors, and I made it my job and my wife to make sure we went around and hit every one of those things, okay? And I'm telling you, we did it well. We did it well this week. So I'm serious. We got a lot of great cooks, a lot of great vendors. It was awesome. So, hey, just before we jump into the message, just wanted to remind you again, I'm going to say this quite often, we are doing a church directory again, and we want you to be a part of it, okay? You get a free 8 by 10 of your family or whoever and put it on your refrigerator, and you get a free directory, um, so please make a priority to sign up using our Facebook page. Craig's in the, the foyer right now signing people up, so do that. We want this to go well. Um, it's important to us, okay? So we are in a series of church values. We're down or through two values, if you remember, truth that guides. Kind of the, the belief in that is that God's word is the preeminent source of all that we do and all that we are. It is the truth that guides our lives and our relationships. Um, the second value was a pursuit of godliness that we should have a desire in our lives to look more like Jesus in our hearts, in our deeds, in our, in our words as we transgress upon this tapestry of life. Um, and if you haven't been here for the last couple weeks and you want to catch up on those, know that the sermons are available on our webpage and Facebook. Uh, so this week we're going to talk about truth or God loving our neighbors. Loving our neighbors is our value this week. Uh, we're going to stretch this out a little bit. So the subheading for this, the subtext is better together. Together we care, love, serve, and live better. Better together, together we care, love, serve, and live better. And I think most of us are familiar with this phrase, like loving your neighbor as you love yourself. We've probably heard it at some point in our life. It probably comes in the form of words that Jesus said that are recorded in Mark 12 that say this, Mark 12, 31, the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than this. The, this is the second of the two commandments that Jesus said, these are the greatest commandments. The first was to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. And the second was to love your neighbor as yourself. And this kind of seems kind of self-explanatory, love your neighbor as yourself, like love my neighbor like I love myself, or care for my neighbor like I care for myself. But there seems to be, in some ways, a disconnect between the weight of words, the weight that these words have for us and the way that we live them out. There's a, this detachment from the reality that this verse should push us into as Christians and how we should live. So today what I want to do is to deal with a couple hard issues that pop up in opposition to this value and then begin to talk about how we kind of push this value into our lives and into us as a congregation here at church. A proper place for us to start is to have right understanding of who we are, how much value we put on ourselves, and where that value comes from. My belief is this, to love our neighbors well. To love our neighbors well, we have to know how to love ourselves rightly. To love ourselves rightly. And to love ourselves well, we need to know what the creator of the universe, God himself, says about it, what he believes about us. So this is what God says about you. This is straight from his word. Listen to how valued you are. It says this in scripture. I am the creator and you are my creation. I have breathed into your nostrils and 
uh, the breath of life. I created you in my own image. My eye saw your unformed substance. I knit you together in your mother's womb. I know the number of hairs on your head. Before a word is on your tongue, I know it. You were fearfully and wonderfully made. You are more valuable than many sparrows. I have given you dominion over all sheep and oxen and all beasts of the fields and birds of the heavens and fish of the sea. And I have crowned you with, you with glory and honor as the pinnacle and final act of a six days of creation. These are the words that God says about you. However, we have, from the very beginning of time, exchanged that truth about us for a lie. We believed and we still do that we know better than God. And it is because of that belief that the whole creation was reshuffled as sin entered the world through one man's disobedience in the garden. And so we exchanged that identity for our own way, and it has broken everything. And we feel that today. Scripture says this is our reality, that you worshiped and served created things rather than me, the creator. You turned aside from me. You became corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. That is the present world that we live in, that those who are outside the justification of Christ, we live in a broken world as broken lives, and even those of us who are justified by Christ feel that brokenness. That is our reality. But for those of us, right, those of us who have trusted in him, who believe in him, have restored, he has restored that relationship. He has made us new again, a new creation. And all those things that God said about you in the beginning are true. Not only that, but listen to the words that Jesus says about you. You are children of God, heirs of God. You are no longer, longer orphans, but you belong to me. And I love you as a perfect father. And I want you to hear these words today because I believe that we have people in here that have some tragic misunderstandings about themselves, some tragic misunderstandings on both ends of the love spectrum. We have people in here that have an uneasiness about themselves, a poor belief, a poor thoughts, a value of themselves as a person. And to that, I just want to remind you, wherever you're at, that look, you are loved. You are loved because it says this in John 1. It says, we love because he first loved us. God first loved us. Your creator has given you your identity. He made you, made you, and he loves you. Do not trust your feelings and those lies that come into your head every single day because I know those lies. I hear those lies that I'm not good enough. People don't like me. Those are lies. You are good enough because God said you're good enough for me. And we have to remember that wherever we are. We reject those lies. We think differently. They aren't true. And then we have people who are on the opposite side of the love spectrum. People that love me some me. Like, yo, just love me a little bit of me, right? And everything becomes about them. Getting what they want. Doing what they want. It's a me first attitude in the areas of time in success, in money, in position, in conversation, it all revolves around me. 
Maybe not in openly demonstrative ways, but in subtle forms that lead people to the understanding that you value others more than you value, or value yourself more than you value others. And so to you, whoever is out there that maybe feels this a little bit, just in love, that spirit, that rebelliousness that you feel, that desire to have my own way is the exact reason why we're in the mess that we are today. It is the cause of the brokenness in this world. It is the cause of the brokenness in our lives. It is what made Adam eat the apple in the garden, and it makes you choose your own path rather than God's. Listen, you are not better than anyone else. You are a fool to believe that. The man or woman that carries a profound love of self over other people's just leaves a wake of broken relationships and destruction wherever they go because they believe that they are the ultimate source of reality and truth. And it destroys relationships and it destroys, destroys everything because at some point that person just thinks, well, they haven't figured out that I'm ultimately the person that knows the best here. Or people just leave that person because they figure this out. They're just not fun to be around. Nobody wants to be around that person. So if that's you, understand that it's that rebelliousness is trying to destroy you, and it will kill you, surely. And as your brother, and as a pastor that loves your heart, I'm saying, reject that. Christ came to rescue you from that. Humble yourselves and give it to God. Give your arrogance and your control to God. He is much better served with it than you are. And so loving our neighbors means that we have to understand our hearts, that we might want to get into these practical ideas and thoughts of how we should go about doing this, how we should act, who we should go about serving. But if all this sermon was, and and we're just going to get into some practical ideas later, but if all this sermon was, was a list of do's and don'ts, act this way, do this, then we'd miss it. We'd miss it. Because if we just talked about actions and thoughts, we wouldn't address the core issue. And the core issue is what kind of person am I? What kind of person am I? To love our neighbors well means first answering the question, who am I? Who am I? Our motives need to be right. Our hearts need to be right. We love because he first loved us. We are his. He created us. He knows us, right? And when we place our hope and our trust in our lives in him, Loving others just becomes the overflow of our hearts because it has been loved by Christ, been justified by Christ for those of us who have put our identity in him. And so it doesn't matter where we go, who we see, what we see, what happens, a heart that belongs to Christ, enabled by the Spirit and walks in his fruit, has the ability to love in any circumstance any circumstance. Don't miss the question in loving our neighbors. What kind of person am I? It matters. And so as we talk about loving our neighbors, um, know this church, it begins with answering that question and works outwardly. As believers, all I can do is work on my own heart. Like I let God move in my life. I can't fix his house. That guy's how I can only work on this by letting Christ be the reality of my heart. And as we do that, his spirit begins to transform us. It spills out into everyday life. It brings hope and truth and direction 
to those who are around us because of the work that he is doing in our lives. And so if we're ever going to make Jesus the reality of our hearts, there's no better time than to do that today. There's no better time to trust and believe in Christ. Don't ignore the knocking on your heart. He is there. Let him be the reality of your heart. Trust in him. No no special prayers, no rituals. Just believe wherever you're at and trust in him. And so this is important infrastructure in loving our neighbors. We have to get our hearts right in this because if we don't have our hearts right, it doesn't matter what we do. So loving our neighbors starts with the heart and goes out. So from here, I kind of want to bring this value of loving our neighbors into kind of two different camps. The first would be a camp of, of people inside the walls of church, and the second camp would be for people outside of the walls of church. Um, so let's talk about this, uh, but before we kind of talk about this value inside the, the, the church, I want you to understand why. Scripture tells us this in Romans 12, verse 10. It says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Romans 15, right? Familiar verses coming out of a whole 12 weeks in Romans. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. No one is going to ever make a strong case using Scripture that we should do this alone. No one is ever going to make a case. There is a biblical obligation to loving each other and being in community with each other. Last week we said that there is an obedience to this Christianity thing that we can't keep sweeping under the rug. This is an obligation that we have, not because God is trying to force us to do something because he's a killjoy, but because he knows this brings us the best possible life that we possibly could have here on earth. It is for our flourishing. Last week we said that we want to push each of us towards each other in openness because sin and destruction wants to hide in darkness. And if we're trying to live out our faith on our own by ourselves and not being surrounded with people who are pursuing after godliness, who are loving us, caring for us, encouraging us, and if we're not reciprocal in that, then we are creating a recipe for disaster because we are not exposing our hearts to God and exposing our hearts to others and sin and destruction find ways to hide in that. And they just go about ravaging our lives. Are we really surprised that we're sinners? Like, do you think somebody's going to go, I can't, that guy, I can't, can you believe that guy's a sinner? You're a sinner, right? You sin. You don't sin, it doesn't make you a sinner. You are a sinner. Christ came to justify that. Don't be shocked when you understand that, that you're a sinner. So expose that. Bring that out. Kill it. That's what we have to do. So we are pursuing godliness in our life. And God pushes us towards the value of loving our neighbors. And we expose our hearts to God and others. We share our burdens together. We care and pray for one another. And the first thing that I would advise you to do in this in loving our neighbors well, and I'm going to list quite a few of these 
And if some of these kind of stick out to you in some ways, the, I left a question there at the end. You can write some of these practical ideas maybe that God maybe pushes on you as we go through these things. But the first thing that I would say and advise you to do is to surround yourself with a smaller community of believers, wherever that is at. To love our neighbors well means that we have to be in intentional relationships, and that happens in smaller settings. So whether that's serving in a volunteering opportunity to surround yourself with a team of people that you can kind of bounce things off of each other or being a part of a small group or a class, whatever it is, get in some sort of smaller settings that you can get known by other people. Core belief in my heart, for you to be loved and cared for, you need to be known by others. For you to be loved and cared for, you need to be known by others. Because here's the deal, you can't just expect to come to church and sit in these seats and expect that people know what's going on in your life. No one in here is scouring your Facebook pages to figure out who's in the hospital or who's struggling. People simply don't know that you're struggling if you don't tell them. And so that is why it's important for us in loving our neighbors to get involved, get surrounded by people who love us, who care for us. And what we have done in that is, is really established a structure for life to go well. No one, <laughs> no one is going to know what's going on in your life until you tell them. You have to tell them. It's kind of like this. We had a staff retreat like a month ago. And we went to Lake Sheriff, did some planning, had some fun. And before we that, we went to a movie together. We watched the movie Ben-Hur. Eh, maybe a 6 out of 10, just on your pastoral movie reviews, if you need to know that. Craig gave it a 4, okay, just so everybody knows. He's the, like, preeminent source of movie reviews in my book. So, so we go to Ben-Hur, and we're watching this movie, and I'm sitting there, and all of a sudden, the guy in the front row, maybe this has happened to you, pulls out his phone. And it's like one of those 12-inch Galaxy Notes, just like... He's got it in front of him, like, brightness is just up on high, and you're just like, seriously, dude? We're going to watch, I'm trying to watch this movie. And like, so I'm watching this movie, he puts it away. He's got some sort of game going on. And I thought, man, is this guy going to put, the whole movie, he's got this thing out. And I'm just trying to watch the movie, but my eyes, maybe you've been, I can't ignore the brightness, and I'm just movie, movie, brightness, movie, game. What's this guy doing? He's losing. And I'm just miserable the entire time just struggling through this movie. And I'm thinking the same thoughts that you guys are probably thinking. What a jerk, right? Got his phone out. Can you believe this guy? Do you not know we're watching a movie? Come on. But do you know what solves that issue? Do you know what solves that issue? If I just went up to him and asked him, hey, could you put your phone away? I bet he would have. I bet he would have. If I would have went up to him very nicely and said, hey, I'm having trouble watching the movie. Would you put your phone? I bet he didn't know that I was suffering through that whole movie. I bet he didn't know that I was thinking miserable thoughts about him. <laughs> in the same way, many of you are suffering in life, but nobody knows it because you don't have the courage to tell somebody. And then you're mad that nobody knows, notices it and nobody does anything for you. Have the courage to tell somebody. It can do a lot to improve your situation. Find a place to plug in. Get to know people. Love your neighbor well. Do you know what goes well for people? When people try to show hospitality towards other people. That generally goes well for people because you know what happens? People most often 
reciprocated. And so for us to do this life well, we begin to show hospitality and love for each other. If you're the type of person that complains about everything and it's a woe is me lifestyle, I'm telling you that is hard for people to be around for extended periods of time. And you're just going to find yourself bouncing from group to group, from person to person, because nobody is listening to you because you're not investing in anybody. You're just having people try to tell you, give you things and give you advice. Be the kind of person that loves your neighbor well. Investigate their hearts. So find a smaller community to serve in, to be a part of. Set up roots. Investigate people's hearts and walk alongside of them. Here's another idea. Another idea. Thirsty today. Thirsty today. By the way, do you guys notice I'm really red? Like, just sat four hours at Notre Dame the other day and just got pwned by the sun. Just like... Okay, so I don't know if I look like a popsicle to you, so if you're thinking that silently, just know there's a reason for it, okay? So here's another idea. Have you guys figured out that I'm just like ADD yet? Like, have you, have you just figured that out? Like, I'm so random. Like, I just make up words. Have you, have you heard any words that I just make up? Like, my wife has a book. Like, she just writes out words that I say that aren't words, but I just say them. I figured if rappers get kind of like creative license to do whatever they want in songs, why can't pastors just make up words? Like, you know what I'm saying, right? Okay. Tangent, that didn't need to happen, but it did. All right, here's another idea. <laughs> Go on a mission trip, right? This coming year, Life Church, we're going to do two mission trips. It would be a great place for you to start loving your neighbors here and then beyond the walls of this church. Mission trips are great intensives that build strong community amongst people who are serving as they serve something greater than themselves. Here's a few other ideas. Introduce yourselves. Like, come early to service. I know that's asking a lot. Come early to service, maybe, and actually greet one another. Maybe you've noticed over the last month that we went away with this kind of greeting part during our service, and that was intentional, because who likes a forced greeting, really? We want that to be organic. We want people to actually say, hey, how you doing? And it actually mean that they care, and it's not forced, and we're going to do some intentional things here in the next coming months to make that a reality, so don't let that scare you. Be intentional about coming early, staying late, getting to know the people that sit in the, sit in the seats next to you. We give you guys this great bulletin every week. And in it, there's this thing called life care. We could really love our neighbors and love the people within this church if we really valued this thing. Because on here are significant struggles and hurts that are going on in people's lives. And we could be the type of people that write notes, send cards, take meals to people. This is how we could really love these people, create an environment that loves people if we value. We have a sweet lady. I just love this. I just found this out a few months ago. She makes handmade cards for people on this list and sends it to them. How valued do you feel when you get a handmade card from somebody? It's incredible. So we can use this to value our neighbors. And so those are just a few things of many things that we could talk about practically, how we begin to grow in love of our neighbors inside the walls of this church. And now I kind of want to take this outside this value outside the walls of this church and kind of talk about how we value it there. In Acts 17, Paul is addressing a group in Athens and he says these words in Acts 17. 
And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods in the boundaries of their dwelling place that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way towards him and find him, yet he is actually not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and have our being. So summation to this scripture is what Paul is saying is that God has specifically allotted times for different people to live in different places. Meaning this, God picked you to live here right now for his purpose, for his mission. I know that sometimes it sounds like a better deal to live in Kansas in 1890 because it sounds simpler. But God puts you here for a reason, for a mission right now on purpose. It was not a mistake. And so loving our neighbors takes a more important meaning when we realize that God put us here on purpose for his mission. And maybe we need to remind ourselves of the words that Jesus spoke in Matthew that we know as the Great Commission. When Jesus says this, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. To love our neighbors well in deeds and words. We, we have to do that. To love them well means that we preach the gospel of Christ to our neighbors. If we really love our neighbors, eventually we're going to have to open up our mouths and talk about the gospel of Christ in a way that's unambiguous. Because we can love him all that we want and can do all the random works of goodness that we want, but what separates us from the Peace Corps is Jesus. Like the foundation for a better life has all these posters, all these billboards with different celebrities and historical figures and softball players who blew out their ACLs and has these inspiring messages on them. And underneath it, it says, pass it on. And these are inspiring messages. And I look at them and go, I think they're great. But is this what the church is supposed to be? Are we just to be a part of the foundation for a better life? No, we are for transformed lives And transformed lives start on the bedrock of the gospel of Christ that only happens when we open up our mouth and speak his truth. But it doesn't matter if if we don't, in some ways, serve in some ways. We need to do some serving. Our culture, and I can feel this through this political season, Our culture is sick of the bullhorn guy that is casting judgment on people by saying God says this, by using God's word. Our culture is kind of tuned out to people saying, well, the Bible says so, when they have hypocrisy in their heart as they are saying it. We have to live out the gospel. We don't only preach it with our mouth, but we help them, we guide them, we serve them, we just show them what the gospel is by the way that we live our lives. And I think, here's the thing, I think our generation has kind of shifted towards this, that all we do is deeds and works and service. But when it comes to opening up our mouths and speaking 
about Jesus and, and the implications that that means in our lives, like, that seems scary. Like, we don't want to do that, or we, we have, like, we, we think we're too busy, but I think it comes from a fear that we just don't want to look like fools. We don't want to be rejected. But I'm telling you, there is a day coming, if it's not already, already here, where you are just going to be uncool being a Christian. You're just going to have to deal with that. You are going to be uncool. And I hate to burst your bubble in that. There's just a day coming where Christianity is not going to be the cool thing to do. And at some point, you're just going to have to open up your mouth and be awkward and uncool and tell of the gospel of Christ to those that you love. And I'm not going to tell you here today how to do that. What I am going to tell you is it needs to include Jesus Christ dying for our sins being raised in three days, all right? Jesus Christ dying for our sins, being buried and raised again on three day, in three days. And I'm telling you, that will be foolishness to the world. It will be foolishness. And Paul says that so much here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, when he says, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So friends, for us to really love our neighbors, it ends with the gospel of Christ, and it starts with some really practical ideas that I just want to give you. The first thing kind of to value people outside of the walls of this church is that we would just see our neighbor. We would just see our neighbor. Like, we love to live in our own worlds, and I'm guilty of that at times. Like, we just... We go to work, and we sit in our own little cubicles, our own little space. We talk with people that we're comfortable. We get in our cars. We go home. We put the garage door up. We go in, put the garage door down, and that's all that people see of us. What if we were intentional about really investing in the people that God has put around us? What if we were intentional in building relationships at our work, throughout our lives? I... One of my favorite stories in Scripture comes out of John 9. Jesus heals a blind man from birth. I love the way the story starts. It says, as he passed by, he saw a man blind from birth. As he passed by, Jesus was on his way to do something else, go somewhere else, but he took time to notice this man. And in his caring and noticing, he changed this man's life forever. As he passed by, I got a phone call from one of our churchgoers a month ago or so and excited to tell me a story that kind of lines up with this, kind of reminded me of, of John 9. He was just telling me that he was just going about his day doing a project and was told to go someplace. And while he was there, he felt this nudging from the Spirit to say, hey, I think this guy needs ministered to. And he found the courage and the strength through the Spirit of God to just open up and talk to this man about truths about God. And I'm telling you, this man was changed because of it. We have opportunities that face us every single day of our lives if we would just take time to notice, to have a as-I-pass-by mentality and not get caught up with the busyness of life when God is really trying to pull us into simpler things to really love and care for our neighbors. So the first thing that we have to do to really value those outside of this church, those maybe who don't know Christ, is just to see our neighbor, to be intentional with that. The second thing that I think is important for us to do is like to seek forgiveness and to give it. 
What kind of walls could break down if we could be the people that chose forgiveness as a lifestyle? What kind of a sweet witness would we be if we chose to forgive other people's offenses towards us and that we might ask forgiveness for our own stuff, that we would own our own stuff? Because here's the deal. Maybe this is news to you. You can't justify your sin because somebody else made you do it. You can't just say, well, that guy made me do it, and that's why I sinned. That doesn't work with God. He doesn't go, okay, Mark, he was an idiot there. I get it. No, you have sinned against God. You've sinned against God, and so we own what we can in any place. There has never been a situation or argument that is 100% somebody's fault and zero. It does never exist. It's not 100. You can own 1% in it. It will go better for you. So what if we are the type of people that sought forgiveness and gave forgiveness as a reality of our life? I think if we are these kind of people, the opportunities for Christ's love to enter people's hearts would be absolutely limitless. Absolutely limitless. The third thing is that we would pray for them. I think that this is a great place for us to start investing in the hearts of our neighbors and people that maybe don't know Christ, don't know the church. What if we just ask them, hey, what can I pray for you about? What an incredible gift you're giving that person. What a great conversation that you're starting to say, I care about you enough to say, hey, how can I pray for you today? And I'm, this is how that's worked in my life. The depth that begins to happen and the bridge that begins to get built because you took the time to say, how can I pray for you? Do you know what you become to them? You become a rock because they know that they can come to you and say, hey, could you pray for this? Because you make it a priority in life. The doors that would be opened would be countless if we would just be intentional with asking people how we could pray for them and then doing it. Don't just say it, do it. Four is to rejoice and grieve and celebrate with them. Could we be the type of people that gets involved with the mess in other people's lives? I know that sounds extremely unappealing, that we would actually step into the mess of somebody else's life and that we could bring comfort and encouragement and care into the life. Our hands are going to get dirty in that. And that causes us to... What if we did that? What if we willingly stepped in the mess of people's life, rejoiced with them, celebrated when we could, not in a way that's self-seeking, we're not looking for praise, but in a way that puts other people first. Fifth of six, humble yourselves. Like we've said, do not think more of yourself. Have a teachable spirit. Don't let people offend you by the words that they say. Don't be afraid to learn new things. Don't be so set in your ways that you can't accept some constructive criticism in your life. Do we really believe that we've got it all together? Like we could use some people telling us like, Steve, you were a fool there. Okay, I'll give you permission, but make it gentle, okay? Make it gentle. Be teachable. Don't find yourself being offended by what other people say. Love them. Care for them. You don't always have to be right. Six is to refuse to live in a judgmental mindset, but spur each other on in Christ. Now, there's a common misconception, a common misconception that believers aren't supposed to judge other believers, God calls us to judge other believers, right? He calls us to judge other believers and spur them on towards Christ. But often, most like anything, heart issues get in the way. We are called 
to rebuke and to restore each other. How we do that matters. Don't get into this kind of game the world tells you, well, only God can judge me. No, if you're a believer and you're acting like a fool, I sure better love you enough to jump into your life and say, hey, you're playing with fire. We do need to be careful about writing stories about people that aren't true. Often, we go heart deep really, really quickly. And we believe that we know somebody's intentions and we know motives. And what we do is we just write a story that's untrue about that person. And then it affects how we deal with them, how we interact with them, how much we see them. Don't do that. Reject that. Don't believe those stories. Believe the best in everybody as far as is possible for you to do that. So, these are just six simple ways that we can begin to love our neighbors outside the walls of this church. And remember, all of these lists might be good and right, but if your heart hasn't been grounded in the truth of God and is pursuing after them, loving your neighbor just becomes something that you do that becomes a list of things that you do and don't and not a desire of the heart. Make sure we get your heart right in this. And if you need to talk to somebody today about getting your heart right with trusting in Christ, we have a prayer room with people who would love to talk with you. I'm not going to judge you, just talk with you. Deal with the stuff that's going on in your life. And so as we progress in these values, we see that these values build upon each other. Truth that guide kind of guides us into this production of pursuing of godliness and pursuit of godliness kind of teaches us to love our neighbors and loving our neighbors provides us with opportunity to have a generous heart. And that's next week. That's next week. Let's pray. Father, I just come before you today and just ask that you would, you would just be in our hearts this week, that we would uh, first make sure our hearts are right with you, that we would ask the question, what kind of person am I? Who am I? And that we would let you do the work of exposing our sin, exposing our disobedience, that we would speak it to you and to others, Lord, that we would bring people into our lives that can help us to walk in your grace and truth and love. And God, we pray for the people outside of this church that we would be great influencers, that we would really care, really listen, really pour in and get messy in people's lives because of your great name and not our own. Father, thanks for the truth today. We love you and pray this in your awesome name. Amen.